Hi, welcome back to PH Expanded. Sorry for taking the day off after the Forest game. I am not sure that uh, you would have been too interested in rehashing that one anyway. But this one is different. This was yet again another memorable, is that the right word? Memorable performance. And I know it was nil-nil, but that was just such a positive sign, yet again, that this team is turning the corner and turned for good, we hope. The sliding doors moment I wanted to go with, funnily enough, I think was actually the sending off. And I say that in a positive way. And I said in my blog about back in the Vieira days, when a player was sent off, it would galvanise the rest. And uh, many professional players I've heard talk about um, the uh, dislike that they have in playing against 10 men because it becomes harder, not just because of the bus parking, but there are teams that they've played that have such a warrior mentality uh, and us against the world mentality that comes out. And Arsenal aren't alone in having that. I can't pretend that we're out there on our own being warriors, but we, I think, would agree that Arsenal haven't had that for near on, I don't know, 15, 20 years, haven't had that, um, haven't given off that vibe to their fans that if adversity strikes, that they are going to react to that in a positive way. I think that's what it is, reacting in a positive way, that this is a challenge. And guys are supposed to like challenges. We're supposed to be wired that way. And we're supposed to be able to react. And Arsenal have been too shell-like in the past, I think. And too quick to just chuck it in. Uh, I do think that our coach has helped us supremely in that. In that he seems to hate the excuses. And I think that's bled through to the players. No excuses you're still in the game. It's nil-nil. We go forward. I thought the sliding doors moment was when we went down to 10 men. And in a positive way, I think that suited Arsenal on this night at that stadium against that opponent. And I actually felt more comfortable with 10 men sitting deeper. And I don't normally feel that way because I don't like that style of play. But I did last night. I felt more confident uh, than playing a basketball game back and forth with Liverpool, which is what the first 20 minutes or so was like. So, yeah. I, w I wanted to bring out two positives. I did not want to bring out any negative thought. Not tonight. The first positive that I wanted to mention, I don't think this has been mentioned anywhere, um, about last night it's a small detail I've mentioned it before about other games and just from I guess a c 
coaching perspective, when you go down to 10 men, you want to ensure that you don't give your opponent easier chances to score. And I talk about set plays, um, free kicks in particular from outside the box. If you're going to park the bus, then parking the bus isn't possible from a direct free kick from outside the box. It's just a replication of what you would normally do when you have 11 players. It's a wall and it's a a crowd of players and it sort of equalises the moment. And we were very careful in and around the top of the box, if you remember. There were no rash challenges at the top of the box. We seemed to be improving in that regard, not giving away silly free kicks and equalising the moment, as I said. Don't do that. And we didn't. Uh, Of course, there were corners, but that was fine. You can't stop them from going down the wing and putting crosses in and you have to block them and they're going to go out for corners. Fine. We defended all of them admirably again, as we have all season to our credit. Even when things weren't going so well, that has been a big improvement for Arsenal. Um, But also, we manipulated the situation at the other end of the field, I feel like, uh, and got ourselves quite a few dangerous free kick situations. And on the flip side, that is, as a coach, what you want your player and your players to do when they are outnumbered. Because again, a free kick is a situation where everything almost becomes equal again. So the fact that Saka got to toss in a few very dangerous crosses... Um, or more to the point that he put himself in a situation to be fouled in order to equalise that situation was very intelligent on his part. Well done him. The other positive I wanted to talk about was just, again, sort of stepping back from the last two big games against City and this one against Liverpool and realising maybe let's throw the Forest one in there so we've had um, two losses and a draw am I right? yeah two losses and a draw in the last three games and ordinarily the headlines and the chat would be about our Arsenal for real is this new evolution of the team a true thing Are we going backwards, even as far as the people that shout Arteta out? That would have been the normal um, chat. So that hasn't been the case, at least where I uh, live in my timeline and people I talk to. It's all positive. Yet we have just lost two games and drawn one. So it makes you think, doesn't it? It makes you think. And if I was the coach, I'd bring that to the players and tell them that we play primarily for the scoreboard. We play to win. So let's not forget that. They haven't. But I want to make that point. But fans in England in particular, if you are willing to show a concentrated performance... And the best that you have to give against top teams, 
and I speak not of Forest so much, but of City and Liverpool, then your fans will see the progress and they will back you. English fans will do that. They are somewhat unique because other places on the continent, it's the result of nothing else. And so that has been really interesting because it doesn't feel like three games where we've only got one point, so to speak. It feels like three wins. Or maybe two wins the Forest was uh, was not quite the same, let's be honest. But still, that forward momentum is on everybody's lips. Hmm. So, I wanted to talk also about the transfers situation. And I want to mention that I get a very positive feeling about this whole Vlajevic deal. Arsenal have been pursuing him for a long while now. Of course, many years ago, I think it was when he was 15 or 16, we were pursuing this boy. So he will know that Arsenal have been interested for a long, long time. But in the short period, we've been talking to him and his agent since last um, autumn. So he is fully aware of the interest that we have and as our Fiorentina and this doesn't seem to have gone away it doesn't have seem to have subsided and interestingly enough it seems to be all on him almost like Arsenal have such a strong feeling that they can get him that it's him or nothing they're not going to pursue anybody else so that makes me think that this is likely to happen I don't know anything, just a personal feeling that I have that um, that this is likely to happen and Arsenal will find a way to make this happen. And maybe this is a little further down the road than we think. Now, what makes more sense to me, if I'm using my head, not my heart, then is that Vlajevic, in his situation, is probably better to wait until the summer until more clubs enter in with more money to spend in the summer. Bigger clubs, clubs with more consistency in performance over the last few years, and if it's Champions League football he wants, clubs that are more likely to provide that year on year than Arsenal, who are just creeping back into it. But I don't know. I just have a feeling that this may happen even though it makes more sense for him to wait um not sure why maybe it's just Fiorentina want the cash now that's pushing this or maybe somebody said something intelligent to him and I'm trying to be um a non-Arsenal fan when I say this but I think Arsenal is a great stepping stone for him I think that if you're going from Partizan Belgrade to Fiorentina to, let's say, Manchester City or Real Madrid or the like, that is a huge jump. Even for a young man who seems to have it all together like this young man. I think it's smarter for him to go from Partizan Belgrade to Fiorentina, topping Serie A's goal-scoring list 
and going to Arsenal. And then if he thinks that's not the pinnacle of his career, hopefully it would be if he came, then maybe he moves on later to a club achieving more than we are. So if I was his advisor, if I had his best interests in mind, we know that doesn't always happen, then I would advise him that Arsenal is the club for him. And not only are they a good stepping stone for him, but you go to an elite club and you are not guaranteed, regardless of how much they pay for you, to start. He will see, and his agent will see, that at Arsenal, there's a big hole at centre-forward. We only have one that we are trusting and considering unless we're playing League Cup games or injuries occur, and that's Alexandra Lacazette. The others aren't even being considered unless we have to consider them. So at best we have one, and he has to compete with Lacazette whose career will be winding down shortly and is likely probably to leave in the summer. So Vlajevic doesn't have to be convinced for guaranteed playing time, which is what the players seem to want this, these days and nobody's ever going to follow through with that, even if they tell them that they will. But he's got to know that his chances of actually getting it at Arsenal are higher. Anyway, moving on. I've talked about the Jack Wilshire thing for weeks now. I'm not the only one. I think a lot of people are wondering maybe even why Arsenal haven't just done that as a backup plan, as a safeguard. A safeguard, yeah. I, you know, and after what happened yesterday, it would sort of make me wonder what Jack Wilshire's done, whether he's ticked the club off or something. Because, again, just as a safeguard, to have him in the squad with no guarantees that he'll actually ever play, and I'm sure he'd take a low wage, is better than the situation that we have now. Um, of course, we haven't seen him play, and I do trust the club in this, but it's just so, so super interesting that we haven't taken that op option up, just even as a backup plan. And then with what's looming coming up with the lack of midfielders, and he's training with the first team and has been for two months, kind of makes you wonder what's going on. Um, but we'll see, we'll see. And the last one is obviously this chap called Arthur um, at Juventus. And I've been aware of him for quite a few years and was excited to see him at Barcelona. I'd not seen him in Europe uh, before. Heard an awful lot about him. Uh, and, uh, and his potential, and of course he's played many games for Brazil, which is not easy to do, even though they're not a dominant force uh, as they once were. Um, he is highly rated, and he was transferred into Barcelona and out of Barcelona when they were a team um, at the top of the league and not wallowing like they are now, and they saw him as an addition. And so... It's clear that the guy's got potential and a lot of it. And I watch him play and I'll be honest, I'm unconvinced at this point that he will fit into the Premier League. But we're a little desperate right now and he is a potentially elite footballer. Uh, I do wonder if it's going to turn into Danny Ceballos. Um, but as long as we don't make a, a silly judgment on 
offering him an obligation and signing a player we're not sure about, um, then I think that this is good. Uh, I do like the way when I watch him play that he seems press resistant. He seems to anticipate defensively very well. Um, seems to be a bit of a thief, a little like Martinelli. Uh, and so let's add to the Brazilian contingent, right? Why not? And we need it right now. And he's not playing much at Juventus. And so I'd imagine that this is something that he's mightily interested in uh, and trying to solidify his place in the upcoming World Cup. Well, that's nearly 17 minutes. That's it for me. And it's late here. I've got to go. God bless.